Well, I hope everybody has had a phenomenal 4th of July week. Um, this is that thing that I don't know if we celebrated last weekend or this weekend. I just feel like we should celebrate both weekends. So this weekend is 4th of July weekend at Second Chance as well. So hope you guys have had a phenomenal week. And today, today we're wrapping up the series on spiritual warfare. Next week, we're going to do a message, and I'm just titled, uh, the title of it is The Most Important Message I've Ever Preached at Second Chance. So that's what I really hope you're going to tune in for that one. And then the week after, we're going to start a series inspired by the theologian LL Cool J called Don't Call It a Comeback. And it's going to be a study through the book of Ruth. It's amazing how a story several thousand years ago that happened still impacts our life even today. So that's what that's the next several weeks. So happy 4th of July weekend. Today we're wrapping up the series on spiritual warfare. And if you've got a Bible, grab it and go to Mark chapter 5. While you're going to Mark chapter 5, I want to welcome everybody that's watching. For the people in the room, so glad you're here. For the people watching online, for our friends and Good old Sweetwater, Tennessee at Life Spring. So glad that you guys are here. And like I said, today we're going to wrap up the Spiritual Warfare series. Now, somebody reached out to me on social media yesterday, and they asked a question. If I've missed some of these messages, are there, is there a place where I can go and find them? And the answer is yes. You can go to YouTube and just you know, put in Second Chance Church, or you know, and then our, we've got a YouTube channel. I think we've got about 1,000 subscribers now. And you can check out all of our messages on the YouTube channel. Okay, what I want, the way I want to start out today is um, one of the things I know about every one of us. And when I say every one of us, it doesn't even matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. doesn't matter what your background is. Everybody wants to make great investments. When it comes to your time, when it comes to your money, no matter what's going on in your life, everybody wants to make great investments. On the flip side... None of us want to be the person that misses a great investment opportunity. With that in mind, I just want to share about three stories, and there's tons of these, but I just want to share about three stories um, that, I, that I researched, and I read it on the internet, and if you read it on the internet, it's got to be true. Um, the first one is there was a woman um, several years ago that wrote a book, and she tried to get this book published. She was um, a single mom. She was just kind of struggling. She had an idea. She wrote the idea down in the book. And she went to publisher after publisher after publisher after publisher. Fifteen publishers turned this lady down. Fifteen. But then somebody finally gave her a chance. It was Harry Potter. I want to pause for a minute. How would you love to be the publisher that turned that lady down? I mean, because every time she sneezes, she makes a million dollars now. It's unbelievable. I haven't read the books, but I've seen all the movies twice. I, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um, the second one, and I wrote this guy's name down so I wouldn't forget it. There was a guy in 1999 by the name of George Bell. Now, probably most people don't have a clue who he is. And the reason you don't have a clue who he is is because he missed an incredible investment opportunity. In 1999, George Bell had the opportunity to buy a company for a million dollars. Now, to be fair, this company was in a garage in California. So let's be real fair about it. And there wasn't a lot of upside that he could see. So George Bell said, no, I'm not going to buy this company for a million dollars. The name of this company is Google. And today, they're, wor they're worth, I wrote this down, $280 billion. Our boy George 
missed an incredible investment opportunity. Now, if you're around my age, uh, I'm 47. I mean, if you're around my age, you remember this big controversy. You used to go here, but now I think there's less than 10 of these stores in, in the world. Um, this, this, I live here. This is, this, I live right here, okay? But in the year 2000, I don't know if you know this or not, in the year 2000, Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix for $50 million. And I read two reports that said the people at Blockbuster laughed Netflix out of the building. Today, Netflix is worth more than $150 billion. And I think I read the other day, there's less than 10 Blockbuster stores left in the entire world. So we could talk about stories like this all day, stories like this all day, but the bottom line is none of us, none of us sitting here, no matter where you are, want to miss a great investment opportunity. With that, I want to talk to you today about a spiritual investment, an investment in, in your walk with Jesus. Because just like we don't want to miss out um, financially or we don't want to miss out relationally, we don't want to miss out spiritually either. In fact, I would argue that all of us would say that when it comes to our spiritual life, we want to be successful. So, so with that in mind, I'm going to give you the sermon and sentence. If you go to sleep or you, you, know, you, know, you have to turn the internet off or whatever, I'm going to give you the sermon and a sentence today, and we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about it. And here it is. Here it is. We find success when we say yes to Jesus. Now, when I, when I talk about success, I'm not saying if you say yes to Jesus You'll go home, there'll be a, a Mercedes in your, in, your, in your driveway. Which, if there is, that's awesome. Let me know about that, okay? I want to I wanna get in on some of that action. I have a Camry. So, um, nothing wrong with Camry, by the way. You got to preface everything because everybody gets offended now. Like, there's a people offended that I talked about people being offended. But in reality, we find success when we say yes to Jesus. In other words, now, now success may not come immediately, but it always comes eventually because Jesus, saying yes to Jesus is never a bad thing. And I'm going to talk about that in the context of this story and in the context of spiritual warfare because as we see everything develop in this story, we're going to see that this is true, not just in this story, but in our life. So, so let's start, let me just let's do a real quick review. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Remember that? It was nighttime. They get in the boat. And they're going across the lake. And what happened to them as they're going across the lake? They experienced a storm. Right. All right. Everybody was paying attention. It's great. And then they got to the other side and then landed in the graveyard. And the demon-possessed naked guy came running at them. Which anytime you pull up some, at somebody's house and they run outside and they're naked and screaming and demon-possessed, that's just not a good thing. And, um, but Jesus kind of dealt with the demons and kind of cast them into the pigs. Remember the pigs ran down the hill and drowned. There's bacon everywhere in the Sea of Galilee. So that's where we left off last week. And we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter four, verse, um, or Mark chapter five, verse 14. Those tending the pigs ran off. And we said last week that when we don't understand what God's doing, sometimes we tend to run from God. Like I remember when I was 11 and my mother died and that was just something as an 11 year old, I couldn't process my reaction was to run from God. I ran from God for the next six or seven years because I just didn't understand what he was doing. And, and there's some people, like we talked about last week, that are running from God because you don't understand God. And if, if that's you, I get it. I've been there. And that's what, that's what happens in this story. Those ten in the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out 
to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, lots of demons, like 6,000 maybe, sitting there, dressed, we talked about last week, where he get the clothes from, right? Dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now what happens next is super weird. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, have you ever, have you ever not seen it coming? Like something happened and you're like, I didn't see that coming. I was reading this, strangely enough, it reminded me of a time that I went on a date in college um, and I didn't have many, so they're, 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 the memories are like really in there. And there was this girl and I was kind of interested in asking her out, so I asked her out. We went on a date, had the greatest time, Zach. We had a great time. It was awesome. We went to dinner, we, we prayed over the meal, we talked, we talked for like an hour and a half. For me to talk for, to somebody for an hour and a half is kind of like a miracle. And then after that, we didn't go to a movie because guys that take girls to movies on first dates have no creativity. And so, that, and that's just free of charge. So, so we went for a walk and we walked for two hours and we talked. It was so, like, I was like, this, I, I'm into this girl. She's into me. This is great. So as I'm walking her to her dorm, I literally looked at her. I said, I had a great time tonight. And she said, I had a great time as well. Thank you so much for taking me out. And I was like, you think maybe that we could go out again sometime? And she said, probably not. Like, it was that fast. I was like, dear God, what, what just happened? And I was like, um, I, I'm sorry. I said, I thought tonight was amazing. She said, oh, it was. She said, it was great. I'm just not into you. And so I remember going back to my room, scratching my head, going, what just happened? I had that almost same reaction when I read this story. Because think about it. You got a demon-possessed naked guy running around in town. This obviously, he's obviously a nuisance. Jesus shows up, fixes the problem, and people say, Jesus, you know, we're super glad you did that. We're going to need you to leave. For years, this confused me until I began to realize something. These people had gotten so used to the unclean that when Jesus began to do something clean, it made them uncomfortable. See, the, the pigs were unclean. The region was unclean. The graveyard was unclean. The man was unclean. But unclean to this particular group of people was completely normal. And so when Jesus began to try to clean what was unclean, they got uncomfortable. And instead of accepting Jesus, they asked him to leave. Now, that's what happens a lot of times in our lives. We get so comfortable with the unclean that when Jesus wants to do some, a brand new work in our life, many times, I, and I'm guilty of this myself, I'll just say no or I'm not interested and I'll push it aside. Every single person that I know that's honest would have to admit that there has been a time that Jesus wanted to do something in your life and you either said no or not now. And it's because we fall in love or we get comfortable with the unclean and we refuse to accept the clean. Now, 
before we get mad at these people, because I used to read this text, and I used to be like, these people are idiots. Why would you kick the guy out of the region that cleaned up the mess? And then as I began to read the Bible, I began to understand that everybody on the planet has struggled with something like this right here. For example, take the Apostle Paul. If you're given a top five godly award, like top five godly people of all times, Paul's in the top five. Some people will say he's number one. I'm not sure. Um, but, 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 but definitely top five. Definitely top five. Okay? Definitely top five. Now, Paul writes something in the book of Romans that I've never really heard preached about a whole lot. But I think every, even if you're not a Christian, this is what I was talking about last week, you'll be able to identify with this. Look what Paul says. Paul says this. I love this. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. In other words, Paul just said, I'm really excited that the Bible's there. Because things like you should not kill, that's pretty good stuff right there. You shouldn't covet, that's awesome. You shouldn't um, steal, that's great. Like Paul's saying, I'm, I'm saying that's good. But then he goes on to say, he said, the trouble isn't with the law. He said, the trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. Now watch this, verse 15. I want to see if this connects with anybody. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, just real quick survey. Anybody agreeing? Anybody connecting so far? Okay, yeah, that's most people in the room. That's all of us. Okay, it's great. Paul said, I'm doing some stuff that I wish I didn't do. Then he goes on to say, um, but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. This is right here. The Apostle Paul, one of the godliest men that's ever lived, saying, hey, I want to raise my hand and say, I, at times, struggle with sin. I love the unclean more than I love the clean. And this is real. This is authentic. I was sharing with somebody the other day about how I love Mexican food. Me like real, authentic Mexican food. And they replied back, back to me, yeah, 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 I love Taco Bell. And I was like, oh, dear God. That's not, saying that Taco Bell is authentic Mexican food is like saying that the Pope is Baptist, all right? It, it's not even in the same hemisphere, okay? That's, that's the problem. I didn't, that, that's for free. I'm not even going to charge for that. Here we go. Let's keep going. Paul says this, and I know that nothing good lives in me. Whoa, 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 you're Paul. You're Paul. And right here he's going, listen, I'm not a good person on my own. He said, that is in my sinful nature. Then watch this, watch this. God, I so connect with Paul right here. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Whoa, whoa, Paul, didn't you write in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Is Paul kind of going bipolar here on us a little bit? Because he just, I can, but I can't. You ever wrestle with that? You ever wake up one morning going, today I'm going to have a great day, and you lay your head on the pillow going, man, today sucked. I made some bad decisions today. This is what Paul's saying right here. He said, um, I want to do what is good, but I don't. You ever wanted to do something good? Hey, I should do this, and then you just don't do it. This, that's my life right there. I don't want to do what is wrong, 
but I do it anyway. Today, I'm going on a diet, not eating anything bad, nothing bad, nothing bad. You want a cupcake? Yes. Yes, two of them. And some chocolate milk, whole milk, please. In fact, give me some Crisco. Just give me Crisco and a straw. Like, like, that's what's going on here. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And isn't it funny how sin can just kind of sneak up on us when we don't expect it? So, true story, not making a bit of this up. Recently, I I just finished reading a book called Everybody Always by a guy named Bob Goff. Now, Bob Goff is the most like Jesus of anybody I've ever met in my life. I don't think Bob has a bad... Bob called, Bob called me one day. I texted him. I said, please call me. And he called me. I was like, Bob, how are you doing? He's like, man, I'm great. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, I'm in the hospital. I've been recovering from malaria. And I'm like, who... Like, I would have milked that for all it was worth, but Bob's, in the, Bob's happy in the hospital with malaria. He almost died. So anyway, he wrote a book called Everybody Always, and he talks about how we should love everybody always. It was so, like, it was so good and so convicting. I, I love him, and I hate him for re- writing that book. So anyway, so I'm like, that's me. I'm going to love everybody always, and so I'm loving everybody always, and I'm, I'm giving it my best shot, and I'm recommending it to people and talking about it. It's great. And it was all awesome until... My recent trip to Israel, where there was somebody that I didn't love on that trip. And let me explain why. We had just walked out of the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. We were where Jesus was, where Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. I mean, it was amazing. And we walk out of the Garden of Gethsemane, and we're walking down the street, and I'm kind of with my my group of people, and then my group of people, kind of they kind of branch off, and they're looking at things. And one of the guys on the street, like he was selling stuff, and he's trying to make a living. He's just, he's just trying to make a living. He approached one of the females in our group, and her husband had kind of stepped over here and was taking some pictures, and she's standing there, and he goes, would you like to buy my book? And, and she said, oh, you know, tell me about the book. And he goes, it's $25. And she was like, no, 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 I'm not interested. And so he became very aggressive. He was like, no, no, you hold it, you hold it, you hold it. So for me, I thought I'll just kind of ease into the situation, no problem, right? And I'll just say, hey, man, she's not interested, and everything's going to be good, because that's, that's me. I'm everybody always got. And so I kind of stepped in and kind of put my arm around her. I said, hey, I said, she's with, she's with me right now. I said, we're on a trip. I said, she's not interested in your book. And he looked at me, and he said, this is none of your business. Now, everybody always started, th- like, leaving me at this point, because... <laughs> You want to piss a guy off? Tell him it's none of his business, right? And so I was like, no, no, no. I said, I said, man, it's all good. I said, she don't want the book, and she's, she's with me. And he looked at me because you need to leave. Now, I was, I, and I told him, I said, well, see, that's where we've got a problem. You and I have a problem. I was smiling on my face the whole time. I said, because I'm not leaving. And then, not making this up, he leans forward bumps me and pushes me at the same time and said, do not touch me. At that point, everybody always was gone. I, I, I took my arm out from around her and I looked at him dead in the eye. We were like this close and I said, you want to go? Because we can go right now. Me and you right now. We can go right now. I don't think you want this, but if this is what you want, let's do it. 
in Israel, right outside the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Your pastor, right? <laughs> now, for the record, I would have whipped his butt. But he walked away. Everything was calm. And I remember that night thinking, man, that was, that was just such a godly influence for all these people that are with me. We're right outside of the Garden of Gethsemane. But then I thought, Jesus did make a whip. Um, and so I was just trying to be like, I didn't actually have a whip. But the point is... I didn't get up that morning thinking, man, today I think I'm going to get in a fight right outside the Garden of Gethsemane. But it happened. It's so funny how sin can sneak its way into our life. And that's what Paul said. Paul said that there's just some stuff that I'm doing that I wish I didn't do. I wish Paul would have gone into a little bit more description, but he doesn't. He kind of leaves us wondering a little bit. Then he says this, I have discovered, see if you agree with this. You don't even have to be a Bible person to agree with this. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. That, that could be a verse on my mirror that describes me how I feel just about every day, right? I love God's law with all my heart. Now, I want to pause. Nobody would question Paul's love for God. Nobody but we'll question somebody else's love for God when they mess up. Is that a double standard? Paul said, I love God's law and I wrestle with sin. I'm not giving permission here. I'm just saying there are godly people that really do love Jesus that sometimes do ungodly things, according to Paul. Paul says, I love God's law with my heart, but there is another power within me that, that is at war with my mind because that's where the spiritual warfare takes place. It takes place in our mind. The, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Then he says this, oh, what a miserable person I am, which <laughs> I feel that way sometimes. Don't we feel that way when we embrace the unclean over the clean? I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. I'm not going to call her. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to smoke that. And then we do it. And then we think, oh, what a miserable person I am. And if Paul would have stopped there, it would have just sucked for everybody. But then he says this, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he says this, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know why? Because Jesus is always trying to bring the clean to the unclean. And success comes when we say yes to the work he's trying to do. Because he's not trying to bring the clean into our life to punish us, but to prepare us for what he has next for us. So he, Paul goes, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So for the person out there that feels like you said yes to the unclean more than the clean, which I know exactly how that feels, I love what Paul says next. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Not who belong to the church, not who belong to a Bible study, but I belong, in other words, you at some point have given your life to Jesus. Now, if one of the godliest men who's ever lived openly admits that he struggled with sin, that just means we're all going to struggle with it. And it's not okay to continue in it, but it is okay to continue. You know what? 
I'm struggling and I need some help. So when it comes to this particular text right here, when it comes to what we just um, read, when it comes to what we've just looked at, my question for everybody is this. Do you have something in your life that's unclean that God's trying, Jesus is trying to bring the clean into? Do you have something in your life that might be considered sinful that Jesus is saying, we need to address this, we need to address this, we need to address this? Now, usually what I do at this point is I would give some recommendations. I would give a list of things. I would say possibly this, or it could be possibly this. In fact, I, I even have some stuff written down. It could be this, or it could be, it could be this, or you could be dealing with this. One of two things would happen. N- number one, I would, I would say something that you're dealing with, and you'd get mad at me, because that's what typically happens is people get mad at the preacher. Or number two, I would cover a whole list of things. You would be struggling with nothing on the list, and you'd be like, I'm awesome, which is pride which got Satan kicked out of heaven. Anyway, that's a whole other message, a whole other time. I'm just saying, is there anything in your life that is unclean that Jesus is saying, hey, I want to deal with that? Because here's the deal. If something's popping in your mind right now, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And success will come if you say yes to the work that he's wanting to do. So if you're experiencing, listen, 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 listen. If you're experiencing correction right now, or if you're experiencing conviction, it's not because Jesus is wanting to condemn you. It's he wants to correct so that he can put us back on the right path. So if something pops in your mind, listen, is there something in your life that Jesus is wanting to address Because saying yes is what will ultimately bring success into our lives spiritually. Now, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Because we still got these guys and Jesus hanging out. Here we go. Verse 18. As Jesus was getting in the boat, they asked Jesus to leave. So Jesus was a gentleman. Jesus said, hey, you don't want me in your region? I won't be in your region. Talk about a missed opportunity. As Jesus was getting in the boat... The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, for years and years and years, I thought, well, of course he wanted to go with him, right? Because Jesus had healed him, and, and he wanted to go with the guy that healed him. But because of circumstances that I've experienced and because of conversations that I've had, I, I'm looking at this text from a different light. I think, I think, I think the reason... He wanted to go with Jesus as he didn't want to go back to town, right? Because how many of you know that if you mess up somewhere, you have the reputation in that town? Oh, you're the girl that got pregnant when you were 18. Oh, you're the girl that got pregnant when you were 14. Oh, you're the guy that got drunk. Oh, you're the pastor that that drank too much. I'm just saying hypothetically. Like like you, you can get a reputation in your town. And I was talking to a lady the other day. It's a true story. Um, at a restaurant, and as I was leaving this restaurant, she looked at me and she said, hey, will you do me a favor? Will you pray for me? And um, I always say yes. I, I was like, yes, ma'am, I'll pray for you. And she had tears in her eyes, but um, she had a crowd of people behind her, so I didn't want to talk to her and ask her what was going on. So the next time I was in the restaurant, it was just her, basically, and, um, and I was having some food, and I said, hey, I said, um, 
Last time I was in here, you asked me to pray for you. I said, what, what would you like me to pray for you about? If, if you don't mind me asking. If you don't want to share, you don't have to. And she said, no, I don't mind at all. She said, um, she said I've been clean and sober for seven months. And I stopped her. I said, way to go. I said, that is awesome. I said, that is, I said, I, she said, but you know, she said, I've just got some people in my life that won't let me forget who I used to be. And she said, this is my struggle. And I so understand this. She said, if everybody thinks that I'm that old person, then why not just go back to my old ways? And I told her, I, I looked at her dead serious, and I said, sometimes you got to let some people go. The people that identify you by who you used to be, you got to let them walk out of your life. And, and she, she got a smile on her face. She was like, thank you, I needed to hear that. And I was thinking to myself, I needed to hear that too, right? Because, because at the end of the day, this guy had a reputation. And Jesus, Jesus, isn't it funny? He, he begged to go with Jesus. Watch this, verse 19. Jesus didn't let him. Jesus, can I go with you? No. Oh, I thought you were telling people to follow you. Yeah, I want everybody to follow me, except... I got a different assignment for you. Jesus says this, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, watch this, and how he has had mercy on you. This is loaded. This, this, Jesus, said, Jesus said, no, 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 no. You can't come with me because if you come with me, you're running away. And how many, how many people have wished you could just run away? You could just get in a car or get on a plane and just go somewhere and start over. And I've wanted to do that a lot of times, but then I realized I take the biggest problem with me. Everywhere I go, I take me, all right? And so that's the problem, right? And so Jesus, don't you find it interesting that Jesus said, no, 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 no. You go back to the place where you were the greatest mess and let them see that the mess turned into a miracle because of the work that I did. Jesus didn't say, no, 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 run from it. Jesus said, you step back into it and you show people the mercy. Watch this, don't miss this. How much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Translation, they might not have mercy on you, but I had mercy on you. And there may be some people out there wrestling, maybe with your past, or you've got a reputation, or you're the person that always did this or always did this. And I'm telling you, when we say yes to Jesus, we step into his mercy. And even if other people aren't willing to show us that mercy, Jesus says, you tell them about the mercy that I showed you. God, so rich. The Bible says in verse 20, so the man went away. And began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Can you imagine this? This man, what we have is this man saying yes to Jesus. He goes back to the, can you imagine him? He's walking in. Frank, is that you? Yeah, it's me. Frank, I've hadn't seen you with your clothes on in a while. What's going on? I mean, last time I saw you, you were running down the street naked. Yeah, I know, I know. It was, it was crazy. Um, I met this guy named Jesus, and he, I, you probably heard about the pigs thing. All the, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he changed my life. And he just kept telling people, and he just kept telling people, 
And he just kept telling people, because here's the, here's what, here's the best news. Here's the best news. It's when we say yes to Jesus, it goes further than our own lives. When we say yes to Jesus, it always overflows out of us and impacts the lives of other people. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Because according to the Gospel of Mark, this was the first time that Jesus had been in this area. And I love how Mark says, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which is the 10 cities. This is the first time that Jesus had ever been in this region. Oh, but b- by the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, if I'm just like an innocent bystander, this is where you might want to call Jesus to the side and say, Jesus, let's, let's talk for a minute. First of, first of all, this guy has zero theological training. Like he probably doesn't even know an Old Testament verse. Psalm 23, Jesus, he doesn't even know Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, you know? Doesn't even know that. Number two, um, he's coming fresh off of a demon possession. I mean, this is a little bit more than a drug possession. This is a little bit, I mean, and, and, and Jesus, there were like 6,000 demons in there. And so he's probably going to need some counseling and some therapy. So, so I want to get this straight, Jesus. You're commissioning this guy to go preach the gospel? Because I'm, I mean, I've heard about qualified before, but I'm just not sure this guy is qualified. But you know what I've discovered? You don't have to be qualified to love somebody. And if somebody needs to be rescued, they don't care what condition you're in. For example, the the boys that are trapped in the cave right now, all of us have seen that news story. Do you think they're worried about the qualifications of the rescuer? No. They're like, if somebody can get me out of this freaking cave, get me out of this freaking cave. Isn't it funny that one of the very first people that Jesus commissions to preach the gospel is one of the most jacked up people on the planet? Did it work? Well, see for ourselves. Because if you just keep reading in Mark chapter 7, Jesus, the Bible, Jesus is doing this stuff, and the Bible says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis, where he had told the guy to go preach. And what happened? There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on them. How did they even know about Jesus? Answer, because the jacked up former demon-possessed guy said yes. And was willing to step into an uncomfortable place where he had a reputation and he talked so much about Jesus that eventually this person got healed too. See, when we say yes to Jesus, it doesn't just impact our lives. It goes so far beyond. And sometimes saying yes to Jesus isn't easy. I'll conclude with this. People ask me, um, and I'll, I'll go into more detail on this next week. People have asked me before, um, Perry, when, when everything went down with you, we're coming up on two years, did you, did, did, were you, I mean, were you thinking you're going to start another church? And I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm going to be very honest. I'm going to be as honest as I've ever been. No. 
No. When everything happened with me, and, and I was obviously abusing alcohol at the time, and I felt like, you know, listen, how I feel is irrelevant. When I was in rehab, I never, ever considered turning my back on Jesus. Never. It wasn't an option. But I wasn't sure about the church. Not, not just one particular church. I'm talking about the church in general. When I was in treatment, I was like, not only was I not going to start a church, I wasn't sure that I was even going to go back to one. But then Jesus has a really unique way of speaking to people. And he began dealing with my heart. And over the next several months, Jesus was like, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. And I was like, well, I don't know, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years. I mean, it's a little rough. It's a little, it's a little new right now, Jesus. And then he took me to this verse right here. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And I had this realization. I turned 47 this year. My mom stepped into eternity when she was 49. I'm not trying to be fatalistic. We just never know when our last days are. So I just decided to say yes to Jesus. And by the way, I want to be very clear. Saying yes to Jesus isn't always popular with people. But I landed in the place that there may be people that can take my job, but they can't take my calling. And I must obey Jesus. That's why Second Chance Church is starting. Because there are so many people in this world that think God wants nothing to do with them and I'm a pastor that I can identify with them and tell them, no matter how bad you messed up, God can take your mess and turn it into a miracle, and you don't even have to run away. If God can do it for me, he can do it for you. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much that you are a God that sees the potential in a raving, lunatic, demon-possessed, naked guy running around who became one of the very first evangelists in the Scriptures. And God, if you can take somebody that messed up, God, you could do the same with us. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you this question. Is there an area of your life that's unclean that Jesus is trying to bring the clean into. And if so, why don't you just say yes to him right now? Because that yes will lead to success that overflows and impacts the lives of others. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, because Paul said in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And you've never prayed to receive Christ into your life, then right where you sit, right now, no matter if you're at LifeSpring or you're watching online, I want to invite you to invite Jesus into your life. Right where you sit, you can just ask him right now. If you want to become a Christian, right now, you can just say in your heart, just say, Jesus Christ, right now I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross 
and you rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Right now, Jesus, I surrender myself. I am yours. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. My head's bowed and eyes closed at Life Spring. If you just prayed that prayer, if you would raise your hand, if you just raise it real high, just raise it real high right now and just leave it up. If you're online, if you'll hit the hand raised emoji on our website, or if you'll raise your hand on Facebook, if you'll give us a little hand raised emoji so we can know that you prayed to receive Christ and you're taking your next step. And we want to celebrate with you because we love seeing people meet Jesus. And people meet Jesus every single week so far at Second Chance. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you're doing and for all that you're going to do. We love you, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, before you tune out, let me say this. The, per the building plans have gone to permit, and barring no craziness, which we're all praying for no craziness, um, the construction will begin in two or three weeks on the facility that we've got. It looks like September, still looks like September, is when we're gonna be able to meet and have our first like public gathering as a church. We're super excited. Next week, I'm gonna be showing you some plans, I'm gonna be showing you some drawings, and we're gonna share about um, everything that's happening. For those of you that are giving the second chance, for those of you that give regularly, thank you, because you're giving. We've, we've been able to go ahead and start this process because of your generosity, so thank you so much. And if you're interested in giving, to that particular fund, it's called the 250K fund. Why is it called 250K? Because we need $250,000 to pull this off. And, and listen to me. I just went ahead and said, let's do it. Well, Perry, what if we don't raise the $250,000? I'll get a third job. I'll go borrow the money. I'll, do, I'll sell my car. I'll do, we're going to raise the money. We're, go, I'm, we're going to raise it. And we're going to raise it because we've got some generous people who are watching who are willing to do whatever it takes and step up and make this happen. So if you want to give to the regular giving or give to the um, 250K fund, you can do that on our website or you can mail the check in and the address is on our website. We love you guys. I hope you have a great week. God bless.